Let's start off by saying you are tuned into Local Motion here on 91.3 WVKR Independent Radio, Poughkeepsie, New York. The show airs live each and every Wednesday from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Local Motion on 91.3 WVKR YouTube channel, as well as giving a like to the Facebook page by the same name. Let's get today's guest online. Louie? Hello. Louie, Louie. Here we are. You've heard that once All or right, twice. <laughs> well, you know, you can't get enough of that, and I love listening to Locomotion on the phone. Oh, well, cool. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, appreciate yeah. it. So let me do a brief introduction here to the listeners of WVKR, and we'll start off by saying Aaron, a.k.a. Professor Louie, began as the studio backing band for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees, the band. Rick Danko christened him Professor Louie due to the work and friendship with the band. Recording artist, multi-instrumentalist, producer, and engineer, Professor Louie has been in the music industry over five decades. The Grammy-nominated Woodstock group Professor Louie and the Chromatics play about 150 shows per year. They've just released their latest album, Strike Up the Band, on Woodstock Records. And with that, welcome to Local Motion, Louie. Well, thank you so much for having me on, Rita. It's a nice introduction. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, of course. I think the last time we had you on was a few years back, and it was in studio, and you and John Platania were here. That's exactly right. I remember that extremely well. That's when we were able to go to radio stations, hang out, and play some live music, which uh, I'm waiting to do that again. Yeah, yeah, I know. Slowly but surely. But you know what? At least we can talk, and we got new music. It seems like a lot of musicians have yes. been busy during this time recording. It seems to have gone either one way or the other, where the past two years there's been, you know, at first maybe not so much, but lately a lot of new music being released. People are out there touring and, and all of that stuff. So um, happy, to, as you, to have all that back let's let's back up a little bit and um tell us where you're from louis well originally i was born in peekskill new york not that far from poughkeepsie new york yeah and uh moved you know at that point i was playing a lot of music and eventually moved into new york city and uh hung out a lot in new york city for years banged around there and then fortunately for me I ended up back in the hudson valley near woodstock new york and hurley new york so uh you know, that's where it all, that's how it, that's so far the geography of what's happened in my life. Yeah, a New Yorker at heart, and that's a beautiful thing. In a New Yorker at all, yeah, because even when we lived in Peekskill, we would go to New York a lot, because only 45 minutes away on train, and in those days, the train ran all night long. Yep, yep. You could go see shows oh, and, really and cool. you know, come back, and yeah, Peekskill's a really short ride on the Metro North down to Grand Central, that's for sure. Yeah, so oh, what we kind of, go to shows all the time. What were you listening to as, a, as like, a teenager? As a teenager, even a little younger, I was always into, uh, of course, the at that time, the top ten, because that was sort of exciting to check out, and a lot of gospel music and mm -hmm. a lot of jazz and uh, quite a bit of blues and R&B. I was always into all that. And rock and roll, you know, I was into I was into pretty much into everything, even classical music or marching band music. I always liked marching band music. And what was your so, first uh, instrument? You know, I sort of like First instrument was piano and then tenor sax and then a little bit of cello and a little bit of accordion. Wow. Because so where in Peekskill, where we grew up, 
uh, we had a great music teacher there, and it was a musical place, so a lot of great musicians there. And uh, he would come in, I think, when we were in the fourth grade and said, what instrument would you like to learn how to play? And I think the first thing I said was trumpet. I don't know why. Who knows? <laughs> and they said, well, we don't have one of those. How about a tenor saxophone? <laughs> oh, nice. And so I got a chance to do that and then uh, started playing piano and then uh, moved to the cello for a little while and singing, of course, all the time. We can't forget that singing is a real musical instrument. Of course it, it is. It happens to be yeah, it's a, it built is. inside you, you know? Right. So we were always singing. That was a, that was a must. And uh, that's were the first instruments. But I started taking the keyboards more seriously because, uh, you know, you held the whole orchestra in your hand or the whole band in your hand. And, you, could, you know, it was just a nice place to be. And you learned about chords and things like that. So you really got your theory down. But I have to say it was from our music teacher, Mr. Corzine, in the elementary school and junior high school, who really opened all our eyes to music and how much fun it can be and how much of a group sport it can be. Makes all the difference, music education in schools. So many people I talk to, it really does. It, it's, it's because when they were young, they had a mentor and somebody that turned them on to a particular instrument or a particular genre of music or something. And, and I tell you, starting young like that is... It is really good to hear, and I always feel bad when people don't have good music um, in the schools, you know, music education. So. Yeah, well, they cut those programs because they don't think it's necessary, but they don't really know what they're talking about. Yeah, no, it's as necessary as math and science in my eyes, so it makes a person whole. Yeah, well, so. that's right. Yeah, so now that's let's, the whole idea. That's yeah. Yep. Go yeah. ahead, no, 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 that's okay. Um, and, and then New York City, and then you blossomed. Tell me everything down there, because obviously you're also a recording engineer. When did that part come into your world? Well, I was playing a lot of shows. I mean, I always played in bars and shows, but at a certain point in my life, um, especially around when disco came out, not that I always liked disco music, but I wasn't too much into playing that particular circuit at that point. And I moved into starting to do, I was always in recording studios in and out. We always demoed up and try to get record deals and, you know, stuff that musicians try to do to further themselves and get a little step up. But so I was in studios. I found it interesting in being a keyboard player going back. Uh, you know, I got pretty versed at synthesizers because that was sort of the next step after all the portable organs and things. And uh, I sort of got a little bit in New York in demand to play synthesizers in recording studios because it was fairly new at that time. A lot of people didn't know about it. So I ended up getting some sessions as synthesizer work. And I did, got tired a little bit of the club scene with the disco world. Just a touch mm -hmm. because it wasn't really, you know, the kind of music that I was that, that into. Right. And so I started hanging out in studios and uh, started doing a little bit of engineering and learning my skills as an engineer from great engineers as I was doing session work. And so slowly but surely, like, you know, any straight job a musician has to have, whether it be drive a cab, dig a t ditch, uh, be an accountant, whatever, whatever you have to do to make extra money to survive if you can't do it totally live or right. you don't have a real big entity that can bring in finances. Uh, I realized that if I engineer, I could get paid and make some money and the thing that was real good is when I first started engineering, the engineers were a little stiffer than they are now. They weren't musicians engineering. So when I sat and engineered, I could communicate with the uh, musicians on the other side of the glass very well, or I could read music. So a lot of producers and a lot of different people wanted to start using me as an engineer. And I did come up the ranks with learning from great engineers and assisting them in the studio by hanging out in recording studios. And mostly... 
at that point it was in the New York studios, like Atlantic Records, you can hang out there or workshop recording in Queens or there were a bunch of A1 on 57th Street. There were other ones. And then uh, moved up this way uh, a little bit and started re doing some recording in Newburgh. There was a studio in Newburgh that I learned some skills engineering. So slowly but surely it was just another way to try to stay alive as a musician right. by engineering, you know, certain records or demos. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure it's great to be a musician yourself and you speak the same language as the musicians that you're recording. So that's uh, that's a, that's a nice benefit to have there, I would assume. Yeah, in those days it was really helpful because a lot of engineers were not musicians, so the musicians felt fairly comfortable working with me, and I could read music. So a lot of the producers who... Um, you know, the symphonies and things like that, like using me as an engineer because I could read the follow the scores, you mm -hmm, know. Mm -hmm. See, it helps playing cello, doesn't it? That's where the school stuff helped. <laughs> yeah, I was going to just... That's where the yeah. cello helped because I played the orchestra. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So everything starts coming. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. When you're young, you don't realize all these elements, if you're lucky enough, and things that all those elements come together yeah. as a whole. Yeah, you're wondering, like, as a fifth grader, like, why the heck do I need to learn how to read music? And now look, if you're in the music business, hello, um, it came back to, to definitely help you, that's for sure. Um, you have this yeah. really incredible, and you do these annual concerts. I know you just did a concert last week at um, Colony in Woodstock. And um, tell us about how you started and how you met uh, Rick Danko of the band. Well, Rick Danko of the band, you know, one of the greatest singers and bass players, you know, of our rock and roll world. I, I worked for the band for 15 years, producing and co-producing and engineering and playing with the guys. And how did that relationship that start? How did it start? How did you meet up with them? Oh, well, I met up with the band, and it goes back to uh, a folk duo by the name of Happy and Artie Trom. Yeah. And Happy and Artie Trom were in Woodstock, and they brought Bob Dylan to Woodstock and worked for a great uh, manager, Albert Grossman, and, you know, studio owner. And so at one point, I got friendly with Artie Trom, who was producing records, and he was starting to produce records up, and he was living in Woodstock up here in Hurley, and he was producing at the time, I think, a Livingston Taylor record. And he had hired me to engineer and maybe play a little bit on the record also. And luckily for me, around 1985, Garth Hudson called Artie Trom, Garth Hudson of the band, the keyboard player, and said, you know, the band is going to start regrouping. I'm moving back from California, and I want to know who's a guy in the area, a hot engineer, That's as Garth would put it, a hot engineer and musician mm -hmm. that can help us put the band back together again. And fortunately for me, Artie suggested my name. And from that, I got very friendly with Garth. I started doing some sessions, and they gave me a few assignments, and I became friends with the guys in the band and started working for them. And they had enough work to keep me occupied for 15 years. Wow. Um, and at the end, though, it's really funny how it worked, because Garth and I were always friends, but musical friends. But the guy who I became most friendly with in the end, who was the hardest person to know at the time, was Rick Danko. And Rick and I became very good friends. And I actually went on producing three solo records by him and going on tour with him quite a bit as a duo or putting bands together with him when we went to Europe or we went to towns, wherever we would go. And so, uh, you know, that's how Rick and I became best of friends. And he had a fantastic repertoire, more than the band music. He, he himself had a, a great side repertoire that he did because... If anybody knows Rick's history, he would go out and play solo shows mm -hmm. or with other people or put different bands together. 
like when the band, the initial breakup of the band in 76, Rick went on and made records for Arista Records and things like that. So he had a repertoire that wasn't only connected to the band. So I got to learn it all. Right. Right. By playing with him as a duo, you know, with his bands. And when he passed away in 2000, which was really a shame, uh, I hated to see all that go away. You know, that's, unfortunately, that's what happens with time as time passes, things go away. And luckily, there's a, a, a great engineer and road manager by the name of Robert Fraza up here in the Woodstock area that was running the Bearsville Theater at the time. Might have been, I don't know, exactly, 2003, five, I don't know. And he said to me, why don't we do a Rick tribute show, you know, uh, up here at the Bearsville Theater? And uh, we did it, and it was really successful. So from that point on, uh, we've always done one or two a year just to keep that tradition going. And people love it, and it's been really successful. And I really love playing those songs, because a lot of times you can't play those songs every night. It's Rick's repertoire. Right. And you play your own repertoire. And, and Rick and, is uh, the one that gave so you the name Professor, right? That's exactly right. Well, you know, Rick, uh, you know, Rick in his wisdom knew that Professor Louie was a really good stage name. And so when we go play these shows, and we do television shows, or radio shows, he would say, take it, Professor Louie, you know, figuring, well, here I am engineering and co-producing and arranging with the band. Maybe I've earned the moniker Professor, as keyboard players do, you know. Right, right. Or Dukes and Count and all that stuff. Yeah. And so he he said that over and over, and people started knowing the name Professor Louie. And uh, after Rick passed, and I wanted to keep playing shows, I would call agents or managers or clubs, wherever you got a call to keep playing live. And I would say, well, I got this group, the Chromatics, because we had the Chromatics at the time. And I say, well, it's Professor Louie. And they say, okay, it's Professor Louie and the Chromatics. So that's how that name stuck. Rick gave me the name, and then it ended up sticking, because Louie is my middle name. Oh, it's and your yeah, because Aaron, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And if you know the band's history, nobody in the band, except for Rick, actually, used their real name. They always used their middle name. Levon's name was Mark Levon yep. Helm, oh, and uh, right. Garth was Eric Garth Hudson, and Robbie Robertson was Jamie, Jamie Robbie Robertson. And uh, so, therefore, uh, it was sort of an honor that Rick... <laughs> You know, it was an acceptance of situation that I was really in the band. Right. Even though, of course, I was Oh, that's so cool. I did not realize um, that's how your name came up. So, yeah, no, that's really cool. That's cool. And the Chromatics. Yeah, so I've been proud of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You guys formed in 2001? Yeah, what happened was Levon Helm, again, going back to the band world, because everything, you know, sprung out from there. I mean, I had done a lot of stuff before I joined with the band in 85, but... It sprung out from there because that, uh, I mean, in my life, that was the biggest act mm -hmm. at, at that point, you know, that I had ever really been that closely involved with and been part of, you know, their resurgence. But at one point, Levon was getting movie scores or movie parts. Mm -hmm. He always had, and different things. So Rick was had a side project, and he would come to us and say, hey, let's put a band together, and let me go out and front it, and let's do some benefits, like a baseball benefit for the Woodstock Baseball League. You know, Levon liked doing that. He was a community-minded guy. Yeah. Everybody in the band, actually, and they taught me about this, they'll be community-minded, and that's really smart. So Levon one time came to us and said, let's let's put a band together to go play the Baseball Little League benefit. And we had a band that I was playing with in the Woodstock area called the Crows, which, uh, you know, was a very good band, Randy Shalanti and Jimmy Eppert, Mike Dunn, and Miss Marie. It was a great band. And Levon didn't necessarily like the name Crows because he had had the Hawks. 
I mean, he didn't really care that much. So we just thought, well, let's put a little twist on it, and let's use some a musical term, and we'll call it chromatics. Mm-hmm. Love so, it. So, and you know, after the chromatic scale, but somehow we ended up with M A T I X. I'm not exactly sure. I guess just to be uh, just tricky, to, you know, yeah. we decided to do that. Yeah, yeah, and, and it, so it, it became stuck. Levon Hellman the Chrom. Yeah. Oh, it did. Levon Hellman yeah. the Chromatics. It was Levon Hellman the Chromatics at first, and we did a bunch of benefits and shows, and some really good shows. But uh, then Levon started getting into other kind of things he wanted to do, so he sort of split out. And Rick passed, and so we kept the chromatics name going as Professor Louie and the chromatics. And your group, the world-class musicians you all have, you're still all the same musicians that you started with, right? Almost, almost. We're pretty close because what happened was we started hitting the road, and sometimes musicians just can't travel the road. Right. You know, it's a, for many reasons. They may have kids, family. So slowly but sure, like Barry Berg, you know, first originally we had Randy Shalanti in there, and he had been on the road with me for 15 years with the band. He had pretty much decided he didn't necessarily want to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and Rick had hired Gary Burke to play with us. And so Gary, who's a you know tremendous road warrior and tremendous studio musician, he joined the Chromatics around 2001, 2000. Got it. And then uh, Mike Dunn had passed away, the bass player, unfortunately, who was the original chromatics bass player and frank campbell moved back from being in austin texas and working for sleep at the wheel so he was looking for a job to play so he joined and that must have been 2002 mm-hmm. and then we had uh jimmy eppard a few guitar players but jimmy had kids and uh you know worked a straight job and you know being a musician on the road you know sometimes the money's not so steady and you got to leave home so we went through a few series of guitar players but my oldest guitar player friend just about uh, john platania because uh, John and I played together, you know, in the late 60s, uh, just happened to get off the road with Van and didn't seem to think he was going to go do that for a while. And I said, well, why don't you record with us for a while? So John recorded some of the early records with us, uh, actually very early records with us. And then he said, you know, I'd like to keep coming out and playing with you guys. So John joined, you know, like 2004, 2005. And, of course, Marie's been with us. So that five-core musicianship has been together for 20 years at A least. long time. To, now, now, you can't just pass over Miss Marie. I mean, you guys, you know, you're together, and you've been together for so long. Absolutely. You guys met in an elevator, is that correct? That's a Miss Marie claims. <laughs> <laughs> she can remember back that far. But yes, no, what happened was we were, we, you know, years ago when you were looking for jobs, where well, there was a building called the Bill, Brill Building, and there was another building, 200 West 57th Street. And what you would do is you would go and knock on doors. You could go all day and knock on doors. If you had songs or you wanted to join a group or do something, because it was all music business people in those in those offices. And so you would scour the local newspapers like the Village Voice for people looking to put things together. Mm-hmm. And I guess that you scour the Internet. And uh, there was an ad in the Village Voice that said, a manager with record deal and, you know, the, the whole spiel as a young guy you're looking for. You know, come to this office, we're holding auditions. So I said, hey, that's pretty good. I'm pretty much living in New York. I had an apartment. And uh, I said, oh, I'll just take a walk up to 200 West 57th Street. Uh, and all the auditions were held at the same 10 o'clock. And there was uh, Miss Marie there with a big fur coat, which was Aww. pretty impressive. You know, I was really impressed with that, coming from Peekskill, New York. You know, I never saw, you know, young girls wearing fur coats. Right. Where, where and, is she uh, from? So Where's elevator. Marie from? 
she's from Brooklyn. Uh-huh. She was from Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she was uptown, you know, uptown. That's how I sort of considered it, uptown situation. Because, uh, you know, we, you know, preschool was sort of a rough town. Right. And uh, so we got in the elevator, did a little talking, and, and both of us got the gig. And uh, the award-winning gig was to, uh, first of all, start playing in Manhattan clubs, you know, in those days. And uh, move to Asbury Park and put a band, you know, and have the band rehearse. And... Uh, the fellow and have a six night a week gig in Asbury Park, and the fellow who you know put us together opened up a club, and Bruce Springsteen would open up, and we'd hang out, and that was the award of getting that gig, and actually uh, it paid pretty good money for a couple of years, and then finally, of course, that all dissipates. But uh, Miss Bruce and I became good friends and good songwriting partners and partners for life after that point, and we've stuck it out together. Yeah, you did, and you're still doing, going strong, going strong. Now, you guys... are still as, going strong, still writing together. Yeah, yeah, and that's a beautiful thing. And, you know, you when you're musician and living together and traveling together and touring, that's a lot. So um, it's really cool that you guys just... Yeah, well, there were times where I would leave home for long periods of time, so luckily Marie was patient, and she reminded me the other day she never complained about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there were times I was gone for three, four years, you know. Oh, wow. You hit the road sometimes with acts and you're gone for years. Right. Especially if the act is happening, you know. I well, mean, you're, in, you're at home, but, you know, but you're gone. The suitcase stays packed. Right. Well, you're a lucky man that you, she was waiting there for you, Louie. You know that. Yeah. You've got to believe that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So I'm grateful. Well, that's why we got that song on the newest record, Good to Be Grateful. You know, that's the whole record is very uh, biographical. The new record, Strike Up the Band, is a total biographical record. Now, how uh, many have you released? You you seem to release like a record a year. How many has the uh, Louis and the Chromatics released now? What album is this that we're on? This is the 16th album. Wow. Okay. Yeah, because, uh, you know, in order to keep playing out and, you know, we're, we're, we're making a large circle. I mean, it used to be before the COVID around the world, actually. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we go to Russia, we go to England, go to Italy. But um, Don't think you'll be going there anytime up, soon. That's a drag. It's a yeah. shame. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and I have friends in all those places, and I've played in, you know, every one of them. You know, played in Russia a lot and, you know, Ukraine a lot, and I have good friends in both places. But... When you go back, and we've always been luckily asked back to play the same places, if not expand more, you do need new things to talk about on the radio, like we're doing now, and new music for people to get excited about. So I learned a long time ago that if you could put a release out every year, every two years, um, it gives you that ammunition to go back and people don't get the same story. And it's also a respect to them that you're bringing them something new. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um so this new album, Strike Up the Band, just released, right? Like within the last few weeks? Or? Coming out this... I know, well, it actually doesn't come out officially until Friday, February 25th. Which is two days from now. Okay. So two wonderful. Two days from now. But yeah, so what happens though, because it's such a complicated world now about releasing that uh, you always put things out earlier or you put things available to people a little earlier than the release date. Yeah. So, but the real official release date that was targeted was this coming Friday. Beautiful. And now, of course, you are touring, um, and this Friday you'll be in Bethlehem, PA. This weekend you're spending in Pennsylvania. And the following... <laughs> That's right. Yeah, the following weekend, March 5th in Blairstown, New Jersey. And on the 6th of March, you guys are doing an online live stream show? Well, the uh, village, the Greenwich Village, uh, that's the Greenwich Village Folk Festival. Yeah. 
That's a friend of mine who runs that Rod McDonald. I don't know if you've ever run into Rod. He's been a folk artist for years and lived in our area. Now he lives in Florida. He runs the Greenwich Village Folk Festival. Nice. And uh, he's been a folk uh, artist for many years, and I've played accordion on Actually, he's, I have to hand it to him. He's one of the only guys that had me play accordion on every one of his songs on one of his records, <laughs> which is quite remarkable. That is Usually really... I get asked to get played on two or three. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. wow, that's amazing. And so yeah. he runs it so every, yeah, so every six or seven months. Well, I think they hold it every month, actually, online. And so every six or seven months or maybe once a year, he calls us and asks us if we would do it. And, of course, Rod being a friend and the Greenwich Village Folk Festival, you know, it was a, a live great event that was real that we had done before, and now they've moved it to Zooming. So we're definitely doing that. Oh, fun, fun. And then you'll be in the Hudson Valley on March 26th at Peekskill, in, uh, in Peekskill, your hometown, at the Paramount Theater. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's a fantastic show, Rita. I have to, I have to say, I'm really proud of the Peekskill Hudson Valley Peekskill Paramount Theater to host like a, a blues and the blues. You know, for all of us, that's all the music we love and play. It all is based on the blues and gospel, and of course, some some Irish and, and English folk songs. But it's it's all based on that. And I asked them. They called me, called us up to play, and I said, "Why don't we do a special event?" And we had a record out called The Century of the Blues and invite some of those great blues artists to play with us and do their own show and really give the public something that they don't get unless they go to a festival and they have to camp on the campgrounds and all that. As you know, look for bathrooms and things like that. Um, So why don't we do it in your theater? And they said, well, hire two other groups. So we got Guy Davis who, you know, we're up for a Grammy with Guy this year. We played on his record. Nice. And he did it right here at our studio, the Chromatics are his backup band. And we're up for the Acoustic Blues Grammy. Oh, wow, him. great. Like, I had to bring Guy in. Yeah. I had to do that. Yeah. And Joe Lewis Walker, who's one of the great guys who are still out there really rocking the blues. I like the rock I the love, blues, too. I love JLW. I adore him. I adore yeah. him. Great we guy. Have him. Yeah. And I, yep. Yeah. And I really wanted him to bring a band to present himself the way he wanted to present himself. Because sometimes with Joe, you know, they use him as a guest and different things, and he doesn't have his own band, or they have the band behind him. Because he even said to me, well, you know, I can play in front of the chromatics. I said, Joe, I want you to present yourself the way you want with your guys, that when you go to Europe or wherever you go, these are the guys you bring. So he's bringing his band, which is fantastic. And this is all happening March 26th, Peekskill Paramount Theater. You can go to Paramount Theater on the website and get tickets to that. And then one more, uh, two more shows to mention. One is in May, May 13th at the Falcon in Marlboro. And then I just yep. got a text from Andy Morrison who says, Rita, ask Professor <laughs> Louie about the benefit we're doing in Avril Park. That's right. We are July 2nd. We're doing something with him in July 2nd. That's in Connecticut. Yeah. There you go. And uh, Andy's putting it out, and it's a community event that he's having for the community there. We're just getting the, you know, I'm glad you reminded me because we got to get the details together for that show. But it's a definite, and it's definitely July 2nd. At uh, You'd have to get on our website or get on, I think it's listed on our website, too. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I have all the details Professor yet, but it is. I, I try to list everything. Mm-hmm. Yep, ProfessorLouis.com. And so that's going to be a great one, because it's going to be a nice night right on the water, and they says they have a really nice pavilion, so that'll be a rain or shine outside event. Yep. The other thing about the Peekskill Show, just going back one more time, we got Joe Rosen, who has the greatest photography of blues 
musicians, and he's going to, luckily the Paramount has a big screen, so he's going to be showing blues pictures that he has all night on the big screen. Oh, nice. So just to bring that up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, So it's a real event, and the Hudson Valley Blues Society has really helped the sponsoring the show, too. And I got to mention them because, you know, again, it's a community, community stuff. Professor Louie and the Chromatics have become a community band for wherever we go, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's not a bad you know, thing. That's, that's, that's not a bad no, thing at all. No, it's good. Right, right. Uh, we were here to help the neighborhood. That's one of the things that was Rick's, you know, Rick's logo. We're here to help the neighborhood, and, and it really has come to life. And I'm glad Andy called you about that, because we need promoters helping out promote, and that that's really nice that he did that. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, it is, 100%. 100%. And your new record, Strike Up the Band, um, I always ask people, if possible, to support the artists directly. Um by going to their website, you know, and uh, and and Absolutely. buying directly from them, or Bandcamp, or if people have Patreon pages, because um, Spotify doesn't do much in your pocket, you know. So, um, no, that's a whole different. That's a whole different world. Right, yes, it is. Right, right. So, strike up the band, Professor Louie and the Chromatics. I love the cover art. See, this is why I don't do downloads. You know, I love looking at the CDs, right. at the artwork. I want to see who's performing on them. Who wrote them? You know, you get so much info from a, from a CD. So um, you got the Woodstock horns on this record for tr- three tracks as well. You produced this and um, recorded at uh, LRS Studios. That's right. Yeah. And we had just uh, we have Dave Cook, who's a tremendous yeah. engineer in our area. He's mm-hmm. got his own studio, fifty four, fifty two, area fifty two. Always gets. I was always thinking the cats. <laughs> you're thinking of Studio 54 50, is what you're thinking of. <laughs> thinking of Studio 54, another thing. But Dave Cook came over and helped us engineer it. And then to put the final touches on it, we got Bob, Lo- Bob Ludwig from uh, Gateway Mastering to master it. And if you Google Bob Ludwig, you'll see that he's the greatest mastering engineer that ever lived. Mm-hmm. And so it's really nice. Bob will still master our CDs because it's really hard to get him to do anything because, you know, he does the Rolling Stones and all those kind of people. Wow. Well, he had some time for you, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. It's yeah. always nice. Yeah, we've been friends for years and years. That's one of the advantages of being a little bit diverse as a musician, you know, by engineering time and making friends with people like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're definitely going to play a few more tracks. I played A Thousand Ways to Freedom. We're going to play a few more on here and um, and just, yeah, keep it going. And we'll mention the shows as they come closer for the Peekskill and the Falcon. And um, yeah, no, congratulations on CD and album number 16. That's a big feat. That's awesome. Yeah, that's it. And keeping the group together, that's a good one, I have to say. And it's just fantastic to have such great musicians you know, oh. on the stage with me all the time. Please, or absolutely. Versa, however what they think, yeah. Please do not forget yep. to uh, give is. John and Gary particularly and Miss Marie big hug from me, a big hello to all of them, and a hi to Frank, of course, as well. And, um, yeah, no, keep rocking the world, Louie. We need more of it. Well, I thank you, Rita. How's your daughter doing up there? She's uh, good. Her, she's going on with me. She's yeah. doing good? Yeah, she's good. She's, uh, right. you know, a senior in college, so... Hello, world. Here we go. Time flies, you know, when you're having fun. So, yeah, yeah. Thanks She's still for playing asking. music, though, right? Yeah, absolutely. She's a yeah, violinist. If you ever need yeah. a violinist, keep her in mind. Well, 
she, tell her to put the orchestra together and we're ready to go. There you go. There you go. Now she'll play anything. She's not just wanting to do classical. She wants to branch out oh, a little sure. bit. So she loves chamber music sure. and stuff too. So yeah. Yeah, but good stuff. But listen, yeah. have safe travels to PA this weekend, ProfessorLouis.com, the new album called Strike Up the Band, and um, yeah, Professor Louie and the Chromatics. Louie, I appreciate your time here today. Thank you so much for it, and I'm going to keep playing a few, few of your tracks here right now. Well, thank you, Rita, for having all the musicians on your show. We all really appreciate it, and we talk among ourselves about it. It's just fantastic you're doing it. Well, thank you. I appreciate it so much. Safe travels, and I hope to see you out there one of these days. Looking forward to it. All right. Take care, Louie. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 91.3 91.3 WVKR Independent Radio, Poughkeepsie, New York, Professor Louie of Professor Louie and the Chromatics. Let's play some more music. This is track number two, Work It Out on Strike Up the Band. 91.3 WVKR. <laughs>
91.3 WVKR Independent uh, Independent Radio, Poughkeepsie, New York. It is 542. We just heard the track called Work It Out. New music from Strike Up the Band by Professor Louie and the Chromatics. Thanks to Andy from Connecticut for calling in. And uh, you can check out this whole new album. There's 10 tracks on here. And go to Professor Louie. I'm going to play another track, too. Um, We'll keep the music going from that for a little bit. But I want to do, which I do towards the end of the show, I do what's called musical happenings in the hopes that you go out and support some live music and some of the finest area venues that we have here. I mentioned these venues in alphabetical order. All of them have COVID safety protocols in place. You can visit their websites for detailed information regarding the safety protocols that are in place at each specific venue. So let's start it off with the Bardavon and UPAC. Info available at bardavon.org. March 5th, the Hudson Valley Philharmonic. March 6th, Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. March 16th, the Irish Tenors with Hudson Valley Philharmonic at UPAC in Kingston. March 20, Celtic Woman. March 27, the Whalen Jennies. April 2, Diana Crawl. Bardavon. In Woodstock at Bearsville Theater, also bearsvilletheater.com, this Saturday, February 26th, comedian Pete Coriel. March 3rd is a jazz dinner. March 15th, the Psychedelic Furs, a benefit for John Ashton. Also in Woodstock, Colony, colonywoodstock.com. Every Wednesday is the best of the beer garden, tonight featuring Mark Delgado and Marilyn Kirby. Tomorrow at Colony is Sokek Brass Band. Friday, the Arlen Roth Band. Saturday, Ghost Funk Orchestra. Sunday, Kyle Morgan, Lorcan O'Reilly, and Tika Douglas. And every Monday is an open mic at Colony in Woodstock. In Beacon, Dogwood, and dogwoodbeacon.com, tomorrow, Paul Byrne. Friday, Robert Hillband. Saturday, Laura Lane. And Sunday, Tony DiPaolo. At the Falcon in Marlborough and live at thefalcon.com. Tomorrow, Thursday, February 24th, Latin Jazz Express with Conrad Herwig. Friday, the the Bernard McClinton Gospel Celebration in honor of Black History Month. Saturday, Ed Palamo Big Band. Sunday, Mardi Gras Celebration with the Glenn David Andrews Band. At the Fisher Center at Bard College. Info at fishercenter.bard.edu. March 4th through 6th, the Orchestra Now. March 11th, Harvey Firestein. Howland Chamber Music Circle at Howland Cultural Center in Beacon. March 20th is 4.1 Piano Wintet. In Tarrytown at Jazz Forum. Info jazzforumarts.org. This Friday and Saturday, the 25th and the 26th, two shows each night featuring Tim Armacost. Gary Smullyan, Michael Rodriguez, John Patitucci, and Al Foster.
at Levon Helm Studios in Woodstock and LevonHelm.com. This Friday, February 25th, Stephen Bernstein's Millennial Territory Orchestra with guest Catherine Russell and Amy Helm. February 27th, Midnight North. March 6th, Sunvolt. March 18th, Jamestown Revival. March 20, Sunny Landreth and Cindy Cashdollar at Levon Helm Studios. In Pine Plains at the Stissing Center and stissingcenter.org, March 5th, Sarah Hanahan Quartet. In Beacon, Town Crier and towncrier.com. Every Thursday is an open mic. Friday, Open Book is on the salon stage. Friday on the main stage featuring Chris Smither and special guest Milton. Saturday on the salon stage, Sundad. The main stage, Buskin and Bateau. Sunday brunch with The Lake Trio. And Sunday evening, Blues Chaser, Stella Blues Band at Town Crier in Beacon. And that's what I got. If you want to reach out to me, if I've missed a menu, uh, venue and you'd like me to announce it, feel, please feel free to reach out to me on the Local Motion Facebook page. And again, if you could give that a like, that would be really nice of you, as well as giving a subscription to the Local Motion YouTube channel. Thank you for that in advance. Let us keep some tracks going. Louie's got this new CD, as we just talked about, and let us... Let's move on to track number three. This one's Fall Back on Me, 91.3 WVKR. Chido 
inside our souls. Next stop is heaven. No regrets for what I've done. I can't understand the songs I've sung. Now I'm moving on. WVKR Independent Radio, Poughkeepsie, New York. Strike Up the Band is the name of the release. We just heard Golden Eagle with Miss Marie on vocals, and then we heard Fall Back on Me. Thank you to Professor Louie for being my guest here today. If you missed part of that interview, just give it a listen. Later on, I'll be uploading it on the YouTube channel, Local Motion on 91.3 WVKR, as well as the Facebook page. It is, I'm going to play one more track off this album. It's called Good to be grateful. And then I'll be back next week. Stay tuned for Dr. J coming up with Irie Groove at 6 p.m. I'll be back next week with record producer, engineer David Barron. And no show in two weeks. I'll be back in three weeks with none other than Yorma Kaukinen. So stay tuned for that. And let's take to listen to one more track and, t- and stay safe out there with the upcoming storm this weekend and everything else that's going on here on planet Earth. And um, thanks for tuning in today. I appreciate it. I'll be back next week. Until next time, I wish you peace.
Stop!